Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? Hello, my name is Michelle Janae, and this is Old Soul Sojourn on the Old Soul Archaeology Show. I want to introduce you to my guest today, Sheila Kennedy of Zebra Inc. Publishing. Welcome, Sheila, to Old Soul Sojourn. Well, welcome. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here today. I love the show and the whole idea of it. Thank you. Thank you. I want to um, introduce you to our listeners. Believing everyone has a story to tell, Sheila Kennedy supports others as they write their wisdom, speak their stories, and impact the world. Sheila serves best by leading others through the minefield of vulnerability traveled when sharing their hard-won wisdom with others. A two-time solo author, a co-author of a best-selling memoir and an award-winning anthology, a publisher, and a publicity and marketing strategist, Sheila opens the doors of opportunity for authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs to be seen, heard, and hired. Aside from her daughter, her greatest joy in life is connecting authors with the resources and audience they need to succeed. Sheila is a fireball whose passion is helping others build their pages, platform, and profits. That's pretty exciting. There's a lot going on there. I um I enjoy every second of it. So <laughs> I guess that that's you know the most fulfilling part is that I every day in this business is such a gift and get I get to do all kinds of things that are not out of the or you know they're ordinary for me but they're out of the ordinary for most. Um, it's funny because I was just thinking there's a lot of turmoil in the country right now, and um, I was thinking about well well, what is my take on all of this kind of? And and I look at this as like a teaching moment. And I look at this as an opportunity for people to really step up and to share. And I was reflecting that in my business, um, I have authors coming up that we are working on their books that are, you know, people of color that that are telling of their experience that they want to pass that on so that they can share that with other people. Um, the, the lessons that people have learned, that hard-won wisdom, right? Um, and their willingness to share it now and, and getting to that point, that's probably one of the most beautiful outcomes of the, the last you know, um, few months, at least, of, of, of our time in history. And um, if this hadn't been happening, I don't know that they would have found the courage or the impetus to actually do that. So it's, it's kind of exciting to me um, in, in a... <laughs> In a, I guess a twisted sort of way, but it, it, I see the positive in that, I guess. Absolutely. Um, yeah, rather than negative. Absolutely. And I think sometimes even trying to see the positive, it can irritate people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm sure it can. And, and you know, there's, I'm sure there's lots of people that will say things like, oh, you're just a white privileged woman and, you know, all of those other things. And that's fine. You are entitled to that opinion. Um, and that's not saying that there's not truth to that. Um, however, how can it make whatever's happening, how can that make a difference moving forward? 
And that's what I like to concentrate on rather than the, you know, the whatever, um, the negativity of the moment, because that will pass. Inevitably, that always passes. And um, it's what we do with the information gleaned from that that's really important. And so, um, you know, it's, I think it's more important to be the leader um, of leading people through that minefield of negativity and learning the lessons rather than just concentrating on how much everybody's been victimized or upset. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I gather from your bio and, and what I know about you that writing for you is a healing process, which focusing on you know what it takes to be a publisher and publicist and marketing specialist and all of these left brain activities <laughs> <laughs> i think sometimes our, our our greatest healing can come from the other side how do you marry the two mm -hmm. well this is what i found like so there's there's two sides to this coin right um one personally i have a writing habit every day and I'm going to read this quote just so that I don't mess it up. Um, Flannery O'Connor said that I write because I don't know what I think until I read what I say. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a daily writing habit so that, and it's journaling, you know, I mean, the essentially it's journaling and, um, but I spend almost an hour every day and um, I have pages and pages and pages and journals and journals and journals and, and, you know, um, but the things that come out of that have been amazing. And there's a lot of things that I didn't realize were really bothering me or hurt me or made me happy or, you know, until I actually wrote them down. And so that has been, um, so I firmly believe in the, that aspect of writing to heal um, is really important. Now, as an author, I also know that my the, the, the journey that an author goes through as they travel that minefield of vulnerability, right? As the closer you get to the book being finished, um, you are going to go through all of the things that you've ever gone through in your life. Anything that's ever bothered you is going to come back and it's going to be amplified. And there's a reason for that. The reason is that you are about to do this really big thing. You're birthing this book whatever the book's topic is about is really irrelevant um, because that's not the significant thing. The significant thing is that you are sharing something about you in writing and it will be around forever and ever. And that is a, and, and open to critique, right? Like you can't ever control who is going to buy the book and who's going to say something about it and if they're going to like it and if they're not. And it is an incredibly vulnerable thing to do probably more so than even being naked in front of somebody that you don't know. Um, so here's the thing, is that in order to accomplish that, you have to go through this period of healing and learning and gathering up the tools. You know, every author goes through the gathering place where they go deeper into the wounds. They, <laughs> all of the things that have been amplified, they're going to then have to heal them or you know, this, this side of them. And even if it's stuff that they've gone through before and they've healed before and they felt like this was something in the past that they've already let go of, it doesn't really matter because you're going deeper. And you're going deeper because somewhere in that depth is a tool or an experience that you need to up-level. 
And so, but walking that through, or walking an author through that who's never been through that process before is, is, <laughs> is huge because, you know, especially if they're debut authors, they have no idea that this is coming. And it totally, I mean, it can throw them off for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then you have a book that doesn't get published because they're stuck in the, I thought I was okay, and I'm really not. And um, so that has been one of the biggest privileges. Um, but I didn't learn that until I became an author first. <laughs> yeah, so I do want to talk about that. It's It's yeah. been uh, eight, seven years since you published your book, I, I yeah. believe, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yes. <laughs> What brought you to, I mean, what was born in you to write that particular book? Had you tried and, and given up on other book projects or, <laughs> you know, or right. did you always know you were going to be a writer? Um, I think there's probably a part of me that always knew I was going to be a writer or I was going to write in some way. I mean, I've always had a career that has had writing be a part of it. Um, I, you know, I started, I finished college with an English major. So, I mean, I knew at some point that writing could be part of my, you know, um, again, never thinking, well, I had something to say. I was always writing about other people or other things or newsletters or content for people. You know, it was never really a, a personal book or anything like that. Um, and I'm not a very creative writer. Like I'm a very instructive writer. Like that left brain piece of me is always very, you know, I want to teach you something. I want to share something with you. I'm not like imagery laden and I, I could never write a 400 page book. Um, you know, <laughs> God love the people that can. It, I am just not one of them. I am succinct. I get to the point. I tell you what you need to know and then I get out. <laughs> so, um, but having said that, when I wrote my first book, um, you had it all along. It was a confidence building guide. And I, it really was a very short guide. Like it's little, you know, it wasn't even intended to be a print book. It, it said, you know, when I was writing it, it was just something like I was giving to clients that I was like, okay, here, go through this process. You know, I think that it would be valuable to you. And then I was like, oh, I could probably just publish that. You know, that's cool. So the first book, I didn't have any of that problem. Like that was, it was kind of like a fluke how that happened. I had um, been part of an anthology that came out in January of 2013. And we had such a positive experience with that. And I was so excited to be a part of that and, and that community and whatever that I was like, oh, in September, I was like, oh, let's, let's do another one. Let's do one on my own and we'll do this. <laughs> and so um, again, I finalized that book in a, in a weekend it was not something that, you know, took me months and months. Um, my second book, however, I wanted to turn that book into the, the first book into a, a guide for entrepreneurs on, you know, abundant living and practices that they, you know, could embrace and things like that. That took me over a year and um, to write. And I, you know, interviewed 12 entrepreneurs that shared their best practices for confident entrepreneurship with me and, and highlighted and spotlighted all of them and, you know, everything else. Well, I was in such a, you know, weird place, like all of the things from the past had come up and, and I was diving into them and I was like, okay, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be the confidence coach and I can't like figure this out. Like, what the heck? And so it's like, I can't put a book out that says I'm this when clearly I'm struggling. 
So, <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And, um, you know, I was losing money. I stopped having clients. Like, I mean, disastrous results, right? And so then I was like, okay, wait a minute. I just learned how to get back on my feet from all of these wonderful entrepreneurs. All I really need to do is let's see if I can put into practice everything they said. I'll give it 60 days and we're gonna see if I come out on the other end um, with making the money to publish the book. If that happens, then I will know that this was meant to be and that I'm supposed to share this and it will prove the concept of the original premise of the book. So sure enough, I did that. And in those 60 days, practicing all of the things that they had taught me, or, you know, it shared with me, um, I tripled my income. I got the money to publish the book. The, the, so the book itself became a testimony that, okay, this works. This is true. There's something to this. But it also showed me that how I needed to heal and that there is an other side of this. Um, to be able to stand up and, and do something great with what you've learned. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how that that's happened. Um, the other books I've written have, you know, I've kind of co-worked with, with other people, um, with families or, you know, whatever. Um, that same vulnerability isn't quite as acute because somebody else's name is on the book as well. So it's not just a solo, you know, yeah. book. Yeah. Um, so when we read, you know, wrote the judge's memoir, it was very much, it was, it was an exciting thing for him. And I was walking him through that process. It wasn't necessarily me. Um, so yeah, but it is, it can be a trip. <laughs> it can be a trip. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, I mean, you talk about that, uh, sense of having a little bit of <laughs> allied help if someone else's name is on the book. Let's talk about imposter syndrome and why that's sure. such, where does that come from? And I, I imagine you have to deal with it in some way through your own All the time. coaching clientele. How can you speak to sure. imposter syndrome and <laughs> whether it's just for authors or in general, because I think it's, it's no. broad. It is broad. And I think, so here's my take on it. So your body's job is to keep you safe. That's why we have fight or flight, you know, uh, situation. That's why we, you know, react to the way we do, you know, our, our bodies are designed to keep us safe. So when we're in danger or there, there is some indication of, of something bad coming, <laughs> then the body has a physiological response to that. Um, I believe that the imposter that shows up is actually part of that physiological response. And if your body's job is to keep you safe, when you're about to do something big and step out of your comfort zone, then that feels very unsafe, right? And so your body takes those same cues, that same fear, all of those things. Your body doesn't, doesn't necessarily decipher what's causing it. It just wants to make sure that it's keeping you safe. So in order to keep you safe, it tells you things like, you really don't want to do that. You're not somebody who should be doing that. You don't, who's going to listen to you? Like, because it wants to keep you safe. So that, so it's really just a technique. So the way I look at it is you just look at that, that imposter that shows up and says, you know, and just say to, 
thank you so much for showing up. Thank you for keeping me safe. Thank you for, for having my best interest at heart, but I've got to. And then you go do the, whatever the thing is that you want to do. <laughs> Because, because you do have this. The fact that they're showing up is a great sign. It means that you're on the right track. You know, and and I know that a lot of people like think that's twisted, and that's okay. Like you're entitled to your opinion. Um, but but that's the absolute truth. The fact that imposter syndrome shows up is a great sign that you're on the right track for doing something big. And you just have to let it show up. I mean, because you don't want your body to stop protecting you from, you know, things that could harm you. So, and sometimes that imposter syndrome or that voice that tells you you shouldn't or whatever has some really good points that will help form how you move forward, but should never stop you. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's my relationship with my imposter. <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about imposter syndrome and we had talked a little bit about healing before, right? And from my understanding, you work mostly with authors of biographies and memoirs and nonfiction who are probably, not that writing fiction can't heal, but sometimes it can hide us too. So with your clientele, you're working with a, a specific need of both healing and I mean, it's, you're like, you're wanting to heal past wounds, but you're also trying to deal with the imposter or whoever's shown up right in front of your face, how to move through that at the same time, because I think they can seem almost as if they're separate. Well, and I think they, in a sense, they are separate. Um, because the imposter is, is, employed because there were so many times whatever's happened in your past whether and you know good things too i mean i think the number one fear of most people is success it's not failure <laughs> and so you know it, you've done a lot of things in your life that have prepared you to be successful and yet we still aren't or you still don't feel that way and um so what part of you needs to be healed in that um, and again, the telling of the story is very important. Um, it's, a, it's a way for you to connect to how you felt along the way. And not, especially when we're talking about biography or memoir, um, it is, you may not have even realized that you had something to share. You know, right now I'm working with a client who has, um, you know, he wrote a story about his journey with, with cancer. Um, he had no idea that he was teaching anything. He was just telling his story. Um, but he has an amazing, you know, quote unquote process or daily practices that could change people's lives, like really impact people's lives. He had no clue, he had no idea that that was even part of, of, you know, what he was doing. And, um, so being able to show that there's purpose to whatever our story is, um, is very important too. And so that writing process helps define that, um, defines what the share is and why it's important to other people. Why would anybody care? Well, okay, let's, let's dig in and find out why. Um, 
and you know there's also that that feeling of not being alone right so most of the time when we share story the most impactful part of that is that we have somebody that says me too or i've had that too or i'm not alone um and to be able to build that community whether you've ever met the person who's going to read your writing or not um that's very powerful and that's that's very um as an author, that's a that's a powerful thing to be able to foster community in some way, shape, or form. To let somebody, else, another human being, know that their experience isn't the only experience that's out there. That there, there, that there's that combined and that shared experience. Right. So I think that there's a lot of healing that comes through that as well. Um, and again, the, the the process of being vulnerable. Um, create especially the most vulnerable thing you'll ever do is is incredibly healing um there is there is a lot if you're willing to not be afraid of it and you're willing to explore it a little to dive in and, and all of that it's really really powerful um one of the things that a lot of people come to me and they want they're in they're right out of an acute trauma we'll say okay they've left an abusive marriage they have experienced the death of someone um you know they've lost a job they've done you know something that's created some trauma and some impact in their life um, not necessarily positively they want to write about their story and they want to share it with people and they want to tell everybody what's going on and you know and i get that like and i applaud that and i'm not saying not to but i also usually tell them that they need to give it a little bit of time because when you're in the acute emotion of something uh your thinking is different than when you're not in the acute emotion of it <laughs> right <laughs> and um you know, whatever that is, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's, you know, like it doesn't matter what the topic is. Um, but when you're in the middle of it, you don't know what you don't know yet. And usually if you, but I would tell everybody to chronicle it, like write down everything you feel right now, everything that you're thinking, all of the observations, because inevitably you will forget when you come back a year later and want and feel ready, prepared to share the story because most of the time when we're in that acute phase, like within the first year of whatever that trauma is, um, we think we're ready to be vulnerable and share that story, but when it really comes down to it, we're not. And it's it's very rare to find somebody that's, that's capable of, of handling all of the pieces to this. Um, and so, but chronicle it because you will go back and you'll be able to use that and you will the amount of growth that you're going to see between <laughs> one and 365 days later or you know however long it is um is amazing like i go back and read some of the things that i wrote i'm a big fan of, of writing down all of the details of things as they're happening because i know i inevitably will forget even though i think i won't i i do and I'll go back and I'll read like things from five or six years ago. And I'm like, I didn't even remember that even happened. Like I couldn't, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> And so that can be very healing as well, you know? So um, chronicle everything. I, I can't 
say that enough because it is going to be, if nothing else, it's going to be a great visual reminder of how far you've come. Yeah, I find that so important. In fact, in my, uh, I never kept a diary when I was a kid. Oh, I didn't either as a kid. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was it was either this absolute dreadful fear that someone would find my innermost thoughts, including myself, maybe, but the perfection right. uh, the from a very, very young age, it was follow rules and, you know, things had to be a certain tidy and you can probably relate. I believe we're both from military families yeah. and trying to put something on the page at all, unless I was writing the essay, right? Even rough drafts were a foreign concept to me as much as they tried <laughs> to put that in my head. Right. But I didn't really keep a journal actually until this last year. I mean, I, I've, in spite of all of the chaos in the world, I, I don't, I didn't necessarily want to cut 2020 off because there's so many good things, right? That right. are there. Um, and now as we move into 2021, some of us are wondering if we shouldn't go back. <laughs> no, don't no, go back. no. Moving forward, moving forward, of right. course, but right. in jest, of course, it's yeah. um, because we, we can find ourselves so willing to just like cut that off. But right. being able to go back and read, this is my leather bound and I replace pages and file them away and I can go back. But that's one of the biggest things I noticed too, was being able to go back and go, that's where that came from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. to literally see the steps I've taken, like footprints on the sand. It's beautiful. Right? It is beautiful. And I think that, um, you know, when Flannery O'Connor said that, you know, I don't know what I think until I've written it down and I read what I have to say. Like, yeah. I, it is, it's really like, there could be things that pop up that you have no idea that were even in your radar screen. Um, and then all of a sudden you've written three or four pages about this thing and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't even, um, you know, and, and there's a lot to be said for, the act of writing. And um, one of the things is, you know, I mean, there's a whole neuroscience part to that and, and you know, memory, cognition, you know, and, and all of those things. Um, and, you know, if you've ever taken a test, you've been told to write down what you need to know. And part of that process is that if we write it, it actually burns a pathway in our brain so that our memories can access it at some point later on. And I think that's important. If we're talking about our feelings, if we're talking about events, if we're done, you know, this just solidifies the fact that this happened and that it's not, you know, something that we have to ignore or, you know, of course you can let go of things and you can, you know, um, compartmentalize things and all of that stuff, but it's still there somewhere. And this actually solidifies that in the brain, um, you know, and, and that is important. Um, and so that's why, like, when I, there was one point in time when we were doing, I was doing an exercise with a, a therapist at, at one point, and she had me write on a plate with these markers 
um, all of the things, you know, like she picked a word and it was angry. So she's like, all of the things that make you angry right now, I want you to write down on this, this glass plate. And I was like, she has lost her rock. <laughs> um, you know, and and because I was like, I don't understand at all where she's going with this. But I I played and I did it, and I was like, okay, let's write all this down. And I filled the plate. I was like, oh, there's like maybe one or two things. Well, I filled the plate. I was like, that stuff happened like when I was two. Like I don't even know where that came from, right? And then we took it, we put the plate in a um, in a pillowcase or a garbage bag or something, and I took a hammer and I smashed it. Hmm. and all of a sudden there was this huge release like that like all of the things that had been like I didn't even remember I was mad about when I wrote it now all of a sudden I was able to to see it and deal with it and, and bless it and you know off it went um and so there is something really special about the process of writing that is um meaningful I mean it really does help you heal in, in ways that I, I don't necessarily, I can't explain, um, but I, do, I just know that it happens because I observe it all the time. Yeah, what a beautiful thing to be able to participate in. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's the privilege of a lifetime to be, you know, I mean, and there, don't get me wrong, there's incredible power in sharing your story verbally. Um, you know, being able to talk about it, to share it, to be on stage with it, to, you know, make an audio book of it, you know, whatever videos. Um, there's incredible amounts of conversation that, that can be incredibly healing. I, I'm not discounting any of that. Um, but there is something special about the writing process. And um, one of the things that journaling has, like, freed me from unshackled me from is the the idea of having to edit as I write <laughs> because they, you know you talked about that perfectionist thing coming up you know and like I a rough draft like it has to be perfect the first time like no no it doesn't like I used to, and I used to I used to walk that path Michelle like I get it I totally yeah. do <laughs> however now and like the messier I can make this the better because you know, so even when I write my books, it is, I write them by hand first. Like I literally put pen and paper, I buy notebooks, you know, five subject notebooks and I write a book that way. Um, and then my first line of editing is converting the, what I've written on the page to the computer. And um, because I, my writing is better when I stop editing. Mm -hmm. And when I stop thinking, how is this gonna be received? Is the writer or is the reader going to like that word? Is that, does that sentence really make sense? Do I need to put a comma there? Like who writes well when they're thinking about all those other things? <laughs> and being in a word document, I think we're, yeah. we're automatically attuned to that with the edit bar up there and right. your fingers yeah. in right, just the right positions. <laughs> exactly. Like it, it just, you know, it does not produce the best writing. Now, I'm not saying you have to write by hand, but I am saying you have to create a practice where you don't edit first or while you're doing it, because that writing is not as good as when you aren't <laughs> doing that. Right. Um, I see it all the time. So, um, yeah, so that perfectionist piece, it, it, the journaling, at least, can help heal that. 
<laughs> because it's huge for people. And, you know, I mean, you can edit and edit and edit and edit. You can proofread and proofread and proofread and proofread. And you can have a million different eyes on it. And you know what? Inevitably, there's still going to be an error somewhere. <laughs> that your okay. first customer is going to find and yeah, circle with a right. red pen. <laughs> yeah. They're like, did you see? Oh, really? Like, <laughs> no. And the five people I've paid to look for that as well didn't see it either. So, but thank like, you for the feedback. Yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, um, and so you kind of like, yes, we all want it to be the, the absolute best product that we can produce. Um, but if we have to do the best with what we have and, and you know, leave the results up to, to the universe and, and, you know, God or whoever, because um, people aren't going to be, you know, obviously if you have a book full of errors and, you know, there's lots of glaring mistakes and things like that. I mean, we absolutely, you know, want it to be professional as possible. However, um, most of the time when, when people are stuck in the editing process, it's because they're afraid. Yeah. And they're afraid to let it go and they're afraid <laughs> to let it be out there and fly and have wings. And, you know, again, that, that fear of success and being recognized, right? Like, oh, you did this or you said this or you, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And that's incredibly intimidating for most people because we say we want to be leaders. We say we want to be experts. We say we want, but when it comes down to it and you are actually realizing how much you, your words impact somebody else, we incredibly intimidating. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, people kind of shy away from that. They're like, oh yeah, I didn't have that much to say anyway. <laughs> so we, we only have a few minutes left. I want to yeah. talk about, there's just this lead in question from mm -hmm. what you were just saying, you know, because, because of how healing writing is, and then you've got the, the process if you choose to go through it and not everybody will or should publish right but sure what is the psychic power of being published mm. well i think that the psychic power is that you had something worth sharing and we all want to have a life of meaning even in some people's apparent shallowness um, there is something that validates you, that you had a legacy, that you had something worth leaving behind. And that means that your life mattered and, or your lesson mattered or your line of work mattered, or, you know, even in, in same thing with fiction, like you've left a moment in time where somebody is entertained and you've impacted their life even if it was only during the length of the time they were reading that book, you have left them something that changed their life in even just a small way. And I think that's the basic human condition to want that. Yeah. And so, yes, there's a, there's a, there's a psychic power in that, <laughs> um, you know, that process. And, um, you know, most of the people that like would come to me, are not in it for, I need to make a million dollars. Because when they realize that you have to sell 111,000 books um, at a $9 a piece royalty payment, um, you know, 
that's an awful lot of books and it's an awful yeah. lot of time mm -hmm. and effort and money that you have to put in to be able to get it in front of 111,000 people to, to buy it. Um, that becomes less important to people and it's really about touching and connecting with, a, with another life. Um, books allow us to create conversation. And yes, it's a one-way conversation for an author most of the time. However, what happens is that no matter whether they like your book or they don't, they are whoever reads it is carrying on conversation about it somewhere in some way shape or form whether they're complaining about it or they're praising it or they they learn something from it and they're sharing that book and that becomes a conversation between them and, and whoever is in their life and so to be able to direct conversation um that you may never be aware of is a huge boost to you know <laughs> an author's ego, if you will. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, another part of the psychic power. That's beautiful and, and so well put. I don't think it's something that really gets talked about a lot, <laughs> which, right. you know, like, and some people may decide that they, they want to publish later after they've worked in a writer's circle workshop for a while. So you have that that you offer, I believe it's a cyclical program. It is every six months. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do that. We have another one starting pretty soon. Um, but yes, like sometimes there's people that need this is too big of a leap for people to do alone, and they need some help writing, and they need accountability, and they need some support, and they need feedback. <laughs> um, feedback is huge, and I was some feedback was something I was terribly afraid of. Um, I didn't send my books to an author or an editor until I absolutely had to. And I was expecting uh, grammatical mistakes maybe and that kind of thing. But when they started editing my content, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, what are you doing? But I'm so grateful. Like it, once I stepped out of my ego and I was like, okay, it's not about you. You like, they might have something valuable to say. Again, that's like imposter syndrome that, okay, I'm really glad, you know, because the imposter would say to me, okay, you dunk at writing and you shouldn't be doing this. And okay, no, this is showing up because I need to learn something. I need to be better. If I want to be better, I need to grow, right? So I, um, but the editing, pro the feedback process is very, it, it's, it's, again, it's that vulnerability. You're, you're allowing somebody else to critique what you are, feeling and thinking and, and putting down in writing. And that it's just, it's scary <laughs> and it's not comfortable. Um, I don't care how many times you've written and how many books you, you know, like it, it's still a, a process that, that people need help with. And if they have feedback from the beginning, as opposed to just at the end, I find that the books are much better and um, the writing is better. And, um, when you can influence content so that the gaps are filled and you don't have to go back, um, that there's elements of the story that you're missing or you know need to elaborate on. Um, sometimes it's better to do it in that moment as opposed to later on afterwards. So things like writer circle, you know, or the writing coaching, you know, whether we do one-on-one -on -one coaching or whatever, um, that is the biggest boon. I think for, for an author.
That's great. And and you also are starting a book club, I believe, which I think for people who are who enjoy reading and personal development, but also want the two way conversation with the author. (laughs) That's what Sheila is offering. (laughs) That's a really exciting part. So yes, I would love for people to read with the Zebra Inc. And and read is actually an acronym for um, readers engaging in author discussions. And so um, we'll have a book of the month and then the author comes on at the, you know, the typical where you would gather to talk in, you know, in somebody's living room or a library or something. Um, We're going to do it virtually, you know, via Zoom. Um, But the author gets to come and they get to spend some time teaching or sharing something significant about the book or that they want to share with you or, you know, that kind of thing. And then it's questions and answers and discussion and and all of that good stuff. So you actually get to meet the author and interact and and ask the burning question that you might have had or just tell them your feedback and, and that kind of thing. So um, you know, I've, I've got, I think, the whole year planned out already. Um, I just finished talking to, I think, all of the authors so far. And um, I'm really excited about the, the choices. And, and I think that there's a good variety of, there's some fiction in there. And there's, um, but there, you know, it's fiction with a lesson. I, I have a hard time just, you know, reading for pleasure and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I can relate. You know, I yeah, I mean, I encourage everybody to do it. I want everybody to do it, right? But um, personally, I would be like, okay, I, I can't read, you know, this right now. Like, I it needs to be purposeful. Yeah. And so um, this is definitely a book club for people who are interested in that same kind of genre. Um, but there's some memoirs and biographies. Um, there's some you know, self-development or personal development that will, you know, kind of enhance life <laughs> and, and make it better and make it easier. So there, there's a little bit of that. And like I said, it's in fiction with a lesson. So um, I'm really excited. Beautiful. And people can find out more about these and other programs at the Zebra Inc. That's I-N-K dot com. (laughs) Absolutely. As in writing ink. Facebook page is also the Zebra Inc. Instagram, the Zebra Inc. with no spaces. And Pinterest, search the Zebra Inc. Yes. Beautiful. We made it easy for everybody to find us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We would love to have you join us on any or all of those platforms. But, um, you know, I can't speak highly enough writing can change your life and um, not that you have to publish but I encourage everybody to create a writing habit if you want and um, if you do go to the website there is an actual there's a there's a writing prompt um, gift that's there um, that they can certainly sign up for that helps you create a writing habit it's 21 days of writing prompts and um, helps you you get the idea that you can do it so (laughs) Beautiful. I love your old soul approach to writing and leaving legacies. Thank you again, Sheila Kennedy, for being a guest today. It has been such a pleasure. I love talking with you anytime, Michelle. And um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. You'll have to come back again. I would love it. (laughs) Wonderful. This has been Old Soul Sojourn with Sheila Kennedy of The Zebra Inc. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, dig deep.